1: If you're an Amazon Prime member, remember that you do have a free subscription to Twitch every month that can be used for this. And for those of you who are already subscribers, thank you again for your generosity.
0: You may have heard the whispers of guardians gathering in the shadows, exploring the mysteries of this world and the worlds which surround us. We are all in search of truth. Sometimes we need to focus that search focus that fire and so we come together welcome to focused fire chat
1: welcome to focus fire chat Recorded live on september wow i just blanked on my date 18th. 18th september 18th Jesus, i put yes. 14th in here for some reason i don't know why my brain thought it was the 14th i'm just gonna we're just gonna redo that and put that as a blooper tuesday monday Monday? I I have no idea. My days are all blending together at this point. Alright, let's try that again. Welcome to Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on September 18th, 2020 over on twitch.tv slash Focus Fire Chat. As always, I want to give a big shout out to our live chat here with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining us once again. This week's episodes are going to be focused around exploring the darkness and some of the updates that we've gotten with that particular topic. This particular episode will serve as what we have come to call the intro session of the week's exploration. Before we go any further, however, let's run through a quick introduction of who all we have with us on the show. As always, this is your host, Blue Crew eighty six.
2: And this is the Grandma Eva Levante joining Blue Crew for a time. No, not really. It's <laughs> green. It's fine. I'm back.
1: <laughs> we missed you last week because we had a chance to talk about sweet meats and you weren't here
2: nope <laughs> that's what i get for sending orchid to do the episode without me she was me. good
1: she was so good but she it's, it was a struggle for her <laughs> there, was,
2: there was a uh-huh. lot of times she said she had <laughs> a hard time not derailing everything
1: <laughs> but last and definitely not in the hot seat as guest co-host, we have one of our good friends dwyer fire dwyer how are you doing tonight i'm good how's everyone else it's the
2: week uh, is
3: over that is true (laughs) no
2: gosh i mean it's been it's been a week it's been a lot more happening in one week than probably should be allowed yeah but we're towards the end of it technically my week doesn't end until tomorrow night because i do a tuesday to saturday work week but yeah we're almost there We're almost there and then you get sunday and monday to relax Nee, and maybe go and do some uh, hiking if the smoke isn't so bad. But Dwyer, since you've been on the show already once, it's been a while. I do want to do like maybe a quick rundown. So for those of you who don't know, Dwyer is a very close fire teammate of my own. We are both in Red Jack Network. He is a Titan who often does tink tink Titan with a little hammer and screams for his little hammer if he loses his little hammer. And what am I missing?
1: He has a really Jeez. good strategy. He has a really good strategy Jeez. with Brachion.
2: No. Okay, so
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> we, I time. have actually been trying to solo Izanagi's because <laughs> I'm, it, the last step of Izanagi's burden, which is the last I, I finished Yoten, finally got Yoten. Only took me a couple of extra years, it seems like. But I've been working on Izanagi's Burden, which is that strike. But it has the old nightfall mechanic that if you die in the strike, you go back to orbit. And I have gotten to Brachion three times, and I've gotten to the third round of Brachion three times. And then as soon as I pop the head of the the <laughs> stupid, stupid <laughs> goblin, I'm just I'm just effed. I'm just absolutely And I blame Dwyer because I just panic every time I see the head come off. And somebody did it to me the other day when we were running strikes. It's like, what are you doing?
3: Shoot fast, shoot hard and run for your
2: life. So Dwyer has a strategy of just try to get rid of each strike boss as fast as possible. If you do this to Brachion inside the Pyramidian, there's a fun little glitch that he does. He will chase you around the map shooting sniper shots at you while invincible if his shield is up.
3: So you're stuck sitting on a plate with a giant goblin chasing you.
2: Not fun. Not fun. Anyway, I want to talk about Ghost because the TWAB this week. So we have the TWAB this week that talked about having mod slots added to Ghost. And I know that Blue had some interesting thoughts on it. And Uh Dwar, I was curious about your thoughts. I'm going to let... Do, do I go first on this one? Yeah.
3: I mean, you've seen me sit and scream and yell that I'm always out of enhancement cores and upgrade modules and every single piece of material known to this entire game. Sure. So the fact that I need to now infuse everything into a ghost to level up a ghost is going to drive me nuts, but, but I can finally have a ghost I feel like I want to use, so it's mm-hmm. not a bad thing.
2: I just like how you can have a a ghost aesthetic now. You can choose your aesthetic instead of just always getting a ghost that has the insta summon for the sparrow or oh, like that's mine. I always have to have insta sparrow because I hate holding square or x depending on your system. But now you can just kind of make that an auto thing for you and I can pick, "Hey, I want this ghost shell all the time." That's kind of nice. Not to mention that planetary materials—you could pick which that if you want that air er, whatnot. I'm trying to think of some of the ones they had as examples in the TWAB itself.
1: Well, planetary materials are going back; they're gonna—they're stepping it back, and it's going to be universal, so it's not specific to a single planetary uh, That's realm. Good. So that was actually one of my biggest things. I was like, "Thank freaking God, it's about time!" Um, so, like they said. Uh, ghosts are going to have four mod slots and then you have there are three that are unlocked by default and then the fourth is unlocked by master working the ghost shell which is I think that's really cool um, but mm-hmm. the thing that I really like is that this is this is yet another step towards like truly introducing True an RPG transmog system into it mm-hmm. because you're actually like you, you had mentioned like you can actually have your ghost look like what you want it to look like and also still be able to have the perks that, you know, it's, those things should not be mutually exclusive. Like that, that's kind of the biggest frustration, honestly, with destiny that I've had is that there's a lot of times when it's like, I don't like the way this, you know, X looks, but because I need this one perk, I have to, like, I have to wear it or I, or I have to play at a disadvantage, which is why I play at a disadvantage. A lot of times is because I'm just kind of stubborn like that. Um, but like yeah one of the big things that they were doing um, the other thing I really actually kind of like is if you look at the screenshots that I think I think was was it Cosmo that did this this TWAB Mm -hmm. um, if you look at first off I love the fact that he managed to find a cat ghost or the cat ghost in his it's the bat ghost oh is it the the beautiful beautiful bat oh whatever it looks like a cat Um, I see it now I see the little wings. I don't mm-hmm. ever. I don't ever look at any of the ghost shells because I have the one that I have and I like it. Um, but the the uh, sub the flavor text on the uh, seasonal mods is really. I really like it. It's <laughs> this mod is fragile and will expire at the end of season fifteen. I'm like that's really cool that because that's like kind of a nod to being like yeah this is going to go away and it's also kind of like a really passive way of being like this is why it's going to go away is because it's a, you know, it's a fragile modification. Um, yeah, he says, uh, the destination destination specific material cash trackers have been transformed into globally effective non-destination specific versions of themselves for better utility. So now obviously then goes on to say that the energy costs for those mods will reflect the increased flexibility and the mods must be earned from various vendor ingrams. Um, so obviously the the costs for those are going to go up, but that's because now they're going to be. Now you're going to have like you know the the one thing I didn't like about the Segura shell was that it was only useful for Mercury area. Like you know I like the aesthetic of the Segura shell, but if I wasn't playing on Mercury, which honestly let's all be honest, I never really did, it really wasn't worth. Like it, it didn't. It it would only be there if I wanted it for aesthetics. Um, yeah so I, I like that move uh, the other thing that I know they, they did call out was that raid ghosts look like they will be having specific um, intrinsic perks that will remain on them um, for
2: the raids itself. Mm-hmm,
1: yeah so kill tracker and leviathan boss, boss kill perks uh, are the ones that they called out specific uh, they will remain intrinsic only on their specific ghost shells which makes sense like that's, that's kind of I, I mean I don't have a problem with that Um, the other thing that I kind of was really excited about, oh, also really quick as a kind of not related to the ghost, but a really big shout out to what they're doing for, um, Matt Helsom. Uh, the, that was, I, I really liked that. Uh, that's really cool. Uh, Matt Helsom was a employee over at Vicarious Visions who was really, really involved with, um, the development of mars and he passed passed away i believe last year and so bungie is actually doing they're they're putting a quest on mars j- specifically to honor him um so i think that's i think that's really cool uh elder scrolls does things like that from time to time and i always really like it when they do stuff like that that's that's just to me that's really a cool thing to go out of your way to do stuff to kind of put it in memory um But no, so the the other thing that this was really kind of brought to mind was way back in D1, Destiny 1, um, the legendary version of Destiny 1 came with what was called a frontier shell ghost. And back in the very vanilla version of Destiny, the ghost shells hinted at giving the ghost capabilities that were above normal so you had a uh survivalist shell you had a frontier shell you had a there theoretically was going to be a hacking shell um that one i don't think that one ever came out but there were shells that specifically in the flavor text mentioned that they gave the ghost uh, stronger capabilities to do a specific task, like the hacking shell was better at opening things and and cracking systems, and you know the survivalist shell was better at finding stuff. And I think that kind of transitioned into the the mods that we have today, and then obviously the mods that we're going to be going forward. But I think that the other thing that would be really cool is to see, you know, introduction of some of these mods, like a Frontier, you know, a Frontier mod or a a Survivalist mod, you know, like the naming of these mods, I think has a lot of potential to kind of feed into that RPG aspect. And I really hope that, I really hope they kind of double down on that because I think that would make it even more fun to, um, for those of us who like putting personality onto our characters, who aren't just being like the pew pew, shoot, shoot things, um, it just, it, again, it kind of lets you personalize and lets you extrapolate, you know, your character from that. And I, I just, I love it when, when we have that option.
2: You know, they actually are applying it to all but one shell. And the only shell that's not getting that treatment is the generalist shell, which I believe is this version of the base shell in D2.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, I I don't I honestly don't even have a problem with that. Like, I, I think because the thing is, is that they are I mean, like what you just said, every ghost shell, regardless of tier, is getting this treatment with the exception of the general shell, which honestly, I think if I remember right in Destiny 2, I think the general shell is like one of the only white shells I think technically the triumphant shell, or the, the, is it the the broken shell gets it, or is the white shell? Oh, it's a green shell. Okay, okay, sorry. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean like green shell, but but that makes me wonder though. Do the other green shells are they going to be getting this modification treatment? So could we actually start seeing like the IO shell and the the EDZ shell? Like because I mean some of those green shells were actually they were very very basic. Pretty cool but they looking. Were also, they were actually pretty. I like I liked some of them.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Yes. We'll, we'll find out. It's yes. gonna happen soon. Dancing
1: in chat is a hundred percent agree on that. Something like a librarian mod that can track collectibles leading to lore entries. That would be like I mean, again, because you're you're adding these like, you know, universal like or modification options, you could I mean the, the the possibilities are endless. I just I really I think that this is a very good step forward i know a lot of people immediately were like well what about sparrows and i think seeing watching how this is going to get uh response to this change i think will open the door to it right um i mean personally i think if we can
3: get modified sparrows back we should definitely get the SRL with it with it
1: oh yeah no
3: i I just want the
2: horns i just want to beep beep at people as i pass them (laughs) (laughs) Mm mm-hmm what, I was really what, the was, horns.
1: what was the horn? What didn't we have? Wasn't the donning the one with one of the horns, with the the Santa sleigh? Didn't that the one Santa have Santa?
2: W- mm-hmm. Santa one? Yeah, kind of. Was that the like fuck? Fo- like it also bell it bell threw out road. Glimmer. Oh, Jingle Bell. Okay, mm-hmm. that's
1: right. That was also the one that when you boosted it was the glimmer. <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs>
3: Yet another thing I never mentioned. Game. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Actually, I just refused you know, to bake cookies. Oh yeah, well, I like that's the nice.
2: cookie baking. I think it's cute. God, it's cute, I didn't but have it also just gets like,
3: no, I need to bake cookies to make a sleigh.
1: <laughs> yeah, obviously. How
3: else do you make a sleigh? <laughs> uh, throwing hammers
2: <laughs> by throwing hammers. <laughs> of course, you would say that. Um,
1: the other, I mean, yeah. Speaking about that, like, gosh, the new items for festival loss are going to be i like them i think the the new sparrow that they have coming out the new version of the broomstick looks really cool um but yeah so yeah that was that was mostly my excitement like ghost mods is it's just it's one of those like more aesthetic changes to the game that just help like bring in the immersion more for for me at least because it's kind yeah. of like, hey, this is you know, it's again, it's like it's the it's transmog. It's like this is my ghost, and this is the functionality that my ghost can do. Even though it looks like your, you know, it looks like X, you know, other ghost. It's also like it 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 feeds into this sense that it's a a ghost that has learned, you know, through your adventures how to do certain things. Like it is pairing with you oh you
2: know you know we're just putting an sd cards that's all the mod slots um, are we're literally just okay taking okay an i S- S- i'm
1: completely but my point is is <laughs> that like, you're uh, able to synergize more with your ghost sure whereas like right now it's kind of like oh this is the cookie cutter you know blah like that's not i mean it's not a bad thing a ghost is with the most. <laughs> that's good job good job information Oh geez.
2: You want to talk about any sort of uh, announcements that we've got going on with uh, the lore network and everything before we get into yeah, the show? So
1: we talked we talked a little bit about it last week uh, or for. Yeah. So last week, you guys who are listening to live stream and will be listening to the podcast on Monday, you'll hear this again. So just bear with me here. But um, we are shifting over uh, from the WordPress website. We're going to shift over and try out doing a subreddit. Uh, I think that's going to help drive up a little bit of the ease of access to everybody. and so far, actually, it seems like it's been met with pretty good reception. I've been talking with a couple of the guy, or I've been talking with Rhino and a couple other people about how the format of those posts are working. Um, and everyone seems really happy with it. Uh, it. It definitely, to me, it makes it a lot easier to read comments. I think it also encourages comments because oh, one, yeah. of the, one of the things WordPress... WordPress has a really nice, robust system. The problem with a robust system is that sometimes things get gunked up because it's overcomplicating things. Um, So Reddit is simplifying it. It's taking it back really to more of like what it was when we started out with, you know, hey, this is the idea. This is, you know. Uh, what we've been doing with like the Destiny Armory defined articles, we've been I've been putting a couple of those on there, and they seem to be really really helpful. Um, the other nice thing is it really helps us uh, actually kind of reintegrate back into. I know this is weird, but the Reddit community, uh, which yes, there are some good Reddit communities. Um, Destiny lore subreddit is really really good. Uh, we're really good friends with the mods over there, and so I can actually more easily like. I am more easily reminded to actually cross post and put things into the Reddit's uh, subreddits uh, to help that. But um, so that's that's the other thing. So we're gonna we're gonna try like we're gonna use it as a trial run. Um, we're gonna see how the response to it ha- uh, continues to be for the next couple of weeks. Um, if it works out really well, my plan is basically I'm going to shift things behind the scenes so that. A, none of you have to worry about remembering a new URL. I'm gonna take the existing URL, we're gonna just basically redirect it, uh, because we own that. Um, I've already confirmed it with everyone that I need to confirm it with that it's not a huge deal to just redirect it. Um, So that will allow us to maintain uh, the functionality of the URLs that we have. Uh, And instead of going to one website, it's gonna go to the subreddit. We are gonna still have technically the WordPress site, it's just gonna be a downgraded version. Um, and honestly, most of my attention is going to be um, directed to the subreddit, which is also a lot easier because that means that we will have a much more um, centralized wiki. Uh, Reddit has really kind of embraced the idea of wikis, and they have a pretty good uh, system. been talking to Uni as well as a couple people from the Destiny Lore subreddit about how to best do wikis. Uh, Right now, I have profiles for every single one of our creators within the Lore Network up there. Um, I will be probably looking at porting over our uh, dialogue pieces. And then also, because I'm talking to Uni um we might be looking at doing something with like the weapons expansion or the weapons analysis that he used to do way way back in the day um but i don't i don't know exactly where that's going to go but the wiki actually opens the door for a lot of possibility that to be to be blunt wordpress just makes really complicated um but yeah that's that's the big thing with that one um let me know what you like so obviously let me know what you guys think uh the website is reddit.com slash r slash the lore network it's all one word um if you are familiar with reddit it is the lore network subreddit uh you'll know what that means you can search if you go to reddit.com and just search for the lore network it will come right up um But yeah, let me know what your thoughts are on that format. If you don't mind, Uh, you know, obviously you can I think you're able to subscribe to become a member to subreddits. I believe that is still the case. Uh, I'm still getting still getting reacquainted with Reddit. I have not been uh, part of uh, Reddit actively for a number of years. So coming back, they have they have upgraded significantly the site from when I was last really involved on it um and I'm I've been really pleased with it uh it's also going to make things from a administrative standpoint a lot easier and a lot more streamlined because it's 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 just a message board basically which is really nice um but yeah I think that's the big thing uh other than that um I think the other big news and I don't I can't remember if we made this this announcement but we did get uh Destiny Lore audio file is now on Spotify. Um, mm-hmm. We got that moved over to Spotify. Uh, I do know that with the shift in Google Play uh, for their Google Music, that is affecting only music. I confirmed that Google Podcast is still going to be around. So if you listen to us on Google Podcast, I know there's a few of you that do that. You shouldn't have too much problem there. Um, and I know that I just got notified that Amazon is doing a podcast focused uh music stream i haven't looked at it just yet i just got the email literally pop up about five minutes before i got on air um but i know that amazon has reached out to all the podcasters who list their stuff with their uh feeds and just given us a heads up that that is going to be possibly coming down um or not down but coming a change is coming uh that seems like it's going to be much more focused on getting podcasts up and up you know, to the front and center of people's attention. So keep an eye out for that as well. I know technically we do have that as an avenue as well for anybody who's who's in that particular ecosystem. Um, but yeah, I think that's. It. I think that was my big announcements. Am I forgetting anything, Green?
2: I don't. I don't think so. Okay. It's the uh, the subreddit is the big thing. Uh, DLR Destiny Laura Audio File is. Five episodes, six episodes in. Um, first episode of Community Submissions went in, up two days ago. No, yesterday. So, Hyper Syntax from. Uh, he has his own podcast, and I'm blanking on it. Uh, video. It, VGX, right? Yeah, VGX, Video Game cross-talk. crosstalk. That's what it is. But, yeah, that's uh, all the special announcements and that actually brings us to our first ad break real quick before we get into the cocktail knowledge of the show so we'll be right back hey guardians we are the destiny show podcast a weekly podcast about all things destiny 2 we invite amazing guests from the destiny community to share their stories and discuss the latest topics from the world of destiny check us out on apple google spotify stitcher or live on twitch every thursday night at 7 p.m eastern 4 p.m pacific we will see you Starside. and we're back thank you for joining us it is time for cocktail knowledge blue this topic is pretty broad <laughs> in some ways not
1: no it's not <laughs>
2: It's just everything that's not The Traveler. Or is it? Darkness. I mean, okay. So, I don't know why you put the first in our show notes. Why the conversation from Hollywood Reporter, which doesn't seem like it would pertain. I'm just... I want you to lead me through your thought on that. And then I'm going to have Dwyer read. Well, this was...
1: Pull view. So, like... The Hollywood Reporter was actually a conversation with Robbie Stevens um, back in January um, of 2020. So this was like, I mean, this was before god man dates i'm doing terrible with dates like the the whole working from home thing is really this would be yeah 2020
2: would be before covid
1: well so shadow keep um this was kind of like the lead up to shadow keep robbie stevens is the lead designer uh or was one of the lead designers for that particular expansion so he was kind of talking about um he was he was basically in process of in of that hype machine that bungie's so good at but he was talking to them about you know kind of explaining what it's what's going on, why is this a big thing. Um, and so the the explanation that he actually talked about was in regards to the pyramid ships. He was explaining the pyramid ships and, and in a way, started expanding on what the darkness actually kind of means. And so that's where this particular conversation, uh, I, I took a quote out of that particular conversation because it was really, there was, there was a lot more, discussed in it um, a lot of like different aspects of what was changing because Shadowkeep had a number of different changes there as well but um, this this particular quote that I that I grabbed uh, was one that from a lead designer kind of gives you an idea of where they were kind of going and kind of Mm -hmm. what they were trying to uh, to go for I guess did you want did you want me to read that quote or did you want Dwyer to...
2: Uh, I have Dwyer reading oh. the Darkness 3 quote. Okay, so. perfect,
1: perfect. Okay. So the quote that I, uh, that I pulled out uh, is, again, January 2020 from Robbie Stevens. This was in The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, he says, this is a large cosmic force unlike anything the players have seen before. It has its own intrinsic power and abilities that we're just scratching the surface on and what the darkness actually means. The way the player interacts with the ship begins to slowly pull back the curtain on what these cosmic beings really are. End quote so there's a couple things that you know looking at going into beyond light now we kind of see a bit of glimmer there about the hints of that um intrinsic mm-hmm. power intrinsic abilities well that would you know that's stasis is one of the things that seems to be hinted at um you know the darkness actually means so we're we're back into a bungee that's actually talking about the darkness instead of kind of st- skirting <laughs> the surface or skirting around the top right Um,
2: But beforehand, the darkness was... There was the concept of darkness being a a force versus being an actual entity. And he actually calls out that these cosmic beings... Like, that is a somewhat soft reinforcement on the idea that the darkness and the light, if you're going to call those two separately, that they're actually creature-esque beings, cosmic beings.
1: So... Again, get, and I, I mean, here's the thing is like, you can read it that way. Um, I did not read it that way. Uh, I read it as that this is a, a cosmic being who does the cosmic being that's being talked to or talked about is the ship, the pyramid ship. It's not the darkness. It is inspired by the, dark because like the darkness act, because he, he actually right. specifies that we're scratching the surface and, and then, and what the darkness actually means, um, and then he re-specifies that the way the player interacts with the ship begins to slowly pull back the being, uh, the curtain on what these cosmic beings. And, and I read that as a reference to the ship, not to the darkness. Um, I definitely can see what you're saying. I mean, like, and, and that would also that would also kind of go into the next the next quote that I had, uh, which is this reference to what's referred to as a Manichaean dualism. Um, which I'll, I can explain after Dwyer reads it, but like the the concept of a dualistic gnostic um, situation, which would also tie into other themes that Destiny has, uh, especially with the Ahamkara and the underlying themes there, um, the themes of the Norse apocalypse uh, with the the Yigastril tree. You know, there's there's a lot of themes that imply that these these uh these these immensely powerful entities are actual beings um but you can also argue that they are not beings and that's another thing that especially within the advanced session i know i'll probably go down a rabbit hole because that that gets into uh a debate on on a very very high level what the difference between the definitions of evil uh get into uh there's a there's a There's depending on which way you look at it, whether it's a broad or narrow definition, um, and then, you know, looking at like, is it moral or is it natural evil? There's, there's a two different ways that you could take a lot of what is going on. And the fact that if the darkness is an entity that kind of points it to one side, whereas if the darkness is not an entity that actually kind of gives you the excuse to look at it a different way, um, which I, I think my, my reading this particular quote actually was the segue for me into the Darkness three quote that I kind of I went through and I kind of picked the pieces from Tolan's rant um, that actually are referring cohesively uh, because there's a lot of stuff that I had to cut out because Tolan is very verbose. Um, but like he is talking really really strictly about a dualistic, uh model in which you know in which i'll just yeah i'll just let dwyer talk and then i will explain <laughs> what i mean there when i said that it's a manichean dualism <laughs> all right <laughs> that is an appropriate <laughs> to read this quote there were
3: two ways to be and one of them one all of this happened by the one law the blind law which exists without or mind or meaning This is why the universe is the way it is, and not some other way. Existence is a game that everything plays, and some strategies are winners. The ability to exist, to shape existence, to remake it so that your descendants will flourish, and others will find no room to grow. This is the shape of victory. To rule the universe so absolutely that nothing will ever exist except by your consent. And there is no reason for it. No more than there was reason for the victory of the atom. It is simply the winning play.
2: If anybody in our chat can name who he was mimicking, I will be thoroughly impressed. Not Sean Connery. I'll just warn that one.
1: Hmm? Did I get it right?
2: You did. He actually mentioned it in our Skype chat. Anyway, if if you think you know the answer to this, tweet at me
1: right I might uh throw an emblem in for a reward on that tweet there um, you go there you go no so uh so really what I know everyone loves ragging on Toland and I'm not really gonna get into it because Toland kind of deserves some of the ragging that he gets um but he does he does have a unique perspective on the darkness um and to dismiss that would be to ignore a very I'm not going to say reliable source, but a very knowledgeable source on the content or the on the topic. Right. Um, so when he when he talks here, what what is really kind of being referenced is uh, best described as like a dualistic model. Um, within within reality, within our world, there's actually a, a number of religions that kind of focus around on this. And one of the big ones was actually Manichaeism. Uh, Manichaeism was a very, very elaborate dualistic cosmonolo- cosmology that was very focused on describing the struggle between a good spiritual world of light and an evil material world of darkness. So either you have the light and the darkness. Um, and this was a, a cosmology that was very, very, very prominent during between the 3rd and 7th centuries AD, so way back in the day. Um, the teachings of Manichaeism stated that through basically an ongoing process uh, that takes, th- takes place throughout human history light is light is gradually actually removed from the world of matter so our reality and returned to the world of light uh where it came from and the beliefs that were kind of taught within manichaeism were actually very very heavily based on local mesopotamian religious movements and gnosticism gnosticism is a topic that we kind of mentioned uh last week with the singular exeget Uh, Eris actually calls out and kind of derides the darkness who uh in i believe it's contrast um she derides it as being oh that's so gnostic and it's it's basically kind of similar to where tolan this is also the entry where tolan kind of calls out uh his his uh, disdain for people who are who are very tele- teleological uh who are people who are like oh there's a reason for this and he's like no there's no reason that's that ending that dwyer read is there's no reason for it it's just that's the winning play. Um, so while most of the Manichaeism's original writings have actually been lost, sadly, numerous translations and fragmentary texts have survived, so we actually do have some knowledge of it. Uh, the school of thought was actually last documented fully in 14th century southern China, and the reason why it was so far uh, so far out in the east was actually because under the reign of Diocletian in the Roman Empire, uh, he very heavily criticized and very heavily persecuted Manichaeism and pretty much stamped it out of existence for the most part within the Western, uh, hemisphere esque area. Um, now the other thing that this kind of corresponds to is a presentation when within ghost fragment darkness Two. Um, so here within Toland's view, we have this hyper realistic or hyper, um, uh, uh, hyper... I, I just blanked on what word I want to use, but it's basically a steroid-infused Darwinism. Um, you know, this is like the ultimate form of, of Darwinism, of survival of the fittest. Uh, within Ghost Sword logic to an e- expert? Um, to yeah, sword logic ish. is... Sword logic is a hyper-violent form of Darwinism. Uh, I would argue that sword logic really is not Darwinism, because when you break down sword logic... Uh, there's a lot of logical fallacies that fall in on themselves, uh, especially when it comes to final shape like that that I don't I I hesitate to call sword logic Darwinism. That is what Tolan is kind of explaining here, but he's not he's kind of trying to present it in a natural sense, whereas sword logic is a um, socio socio religious kind of thing um here toland is actually using it in the sense of you know survival of the fittest from a natural sense like the the passing of your genes into your your descendants you know he says that that's the shape of victory to rule the universe so absolutely that nothing will exist except by your consent whereas sword logic would say that nothing rule nothing exists other than you you are the final shape so there's there's a slight difference I I, I think between what's being explained here and, and the ultimate form of sword logic that the hive adhere to. Um, the the correspondence that I kind of pointed out here with ghost fragment darkness too is that the speaker in ghost fragment darkness too, who we don't actually un, we don't have a definition or a, an explanation of who, um, but the idea of evil is redefined as merely a natural event and and that's going to kind of tie into something that i definitely will get into more uh, probably in the advanced session because it's it gets pretty detailed very quickly but it's the debate between natural and moral evil um the there's a there's a couple inherent problems with it uh and i will i will explain it then um but yeah, so that that's where that that kind of connection to me, at least exists. Uh, that's why the darkness actually the darkness and light debate is both frustrating and also fascinating for me, because it actually is a debate that goes on in reality. Um, it's hard because this is not reality. This is a video game. And so it's kind of hard not to to connect dots that are connected in reality here. Um, but I I I definitely find fascination within this particular presentation and, and seeing the figure of different characters defend the darkness, you know, defending, I don't want to call them evil, but they're not necessarily our side. We're, we're the, you know, we're the side of the light quotes on that one. Um, and you know, Tolan's defending the darkness side. And then we also, within the singular exeget, um, you know, we get the, the, theoretically we get from the pyramid ships themselves a a kind of a defense of their own actions. Um, I do find, I can't remember if I mentioned this, but I do find very interesting as well that with the singular exeget, the definition of singular exeget is literally the one translator of scripture, or the best translator of scripture. Um, So it's, it's very interesting that that is the name of the conversation it's similar to books of sorrow the unveiling all that again we have this very 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 heavy religious connotation that's being put on these these defenses and then Toland's here and he's actually Toland is an interesting figure, is an intriguing figure, because Toland actually portrays a very similar uh, philosophical point of view to a character from our own history, again, uh, from, I believe he was from Ireland, who goes by the name of John Toland. Uh, John Toland was very, very anti-teleological thought. Uh, This is very similar to the character of Toland's views of no there's there's a scientific you know explanation there's a scientific blah you know this is this is the cause and this is the effect and there is no like necessarily no divine reason like there's not that it's you can call it like you can see the deterministic process of this stuff that's very much more toland's point of view um which is also the intriguing aspect of why toland adheres to the darkness who seems to be very much more religious um in their communication i I find that kind of a an a curious dichotomy as well but i'm gonna kind of stop talking for a moment
2: so john toland is the real life version of that but was john toland is it like a fairly true to form version of what we would consider toland in game i mean toland in game i i see
1: this is a this is a rabbit hole. Um John Toland actually is theoretically the author of a book called The Three Queens. Uh a philosophical book that is talking about um oh, I just I I actually have this written down somewhere in my notes and I didn't have it actually I did I wasn't planning on talking about this. Um but yeah, he he actually there's a lot of little connections to John Toland to Toland's figure here. So I don't I don't know if that's like I don't know if that's 100% the inspiration for Toland, but there are a lot of similarities with the way that Toland kind of approaches logic that we've seen so far in game. And then also the figure of John Toland as a as a uh, philosophical free thinker. Uh, He was very, very opinionated about things, and those opinions got him in trouble quite a bit. Um, but yeah, he he actually does have a publication called the or it's either the three queens or the three princes. I can't remember, but it it talks about um, the the socio political uh, contest of wills between basically three different types of rulers, very similar to something else that we have from Toland in game. I found that really fascinating.
2: That is interesting. Okay, so we have. Tolan being the initial person talking about the darkness back in mm-hmm. Darkness Three. We haven't even touched on the original Darkness card in this episode. Do we still feel that it it applies? So my
1: I mean, I think like with the quote from, from Robbie uh that we that we read first, like my problem my problem with your darkness card, and this is just my problem, is that it really doesn't mm-hmm. To me, it doesn't actually expand on anything. It's just a lot of different thought. It's like a lot of different theories. Um, and they're not necessarily they're not necessarily bad. Um, but I think I get the feeling that the story kind of has gone a little bit different direction than where it was kind of being hinted at going with that particular card. Not that... I don't know. Do you think? Okay. I
2: think there's... I think there's still the... I mean, St. 14's position... If you take it with a Saint, loose... Yes. right
1: St. 14's position is definitely kind of spot on. Right? And I get that. But, like, I, I mean, I think there's, there's grains... Of, I think it's just like every other Grimoire card. There's grains of truth in all of them. Like, Pajari's point of view can be also accurate um depending <clears> on <throat> what you mean and this is another thing with like the concept of evil it's like depending on what you talk about or what you're meaning when you talk about it um i think i don't know like i i've i've always had like a weird aversion to the darkness card i don't know why i mean
3: i always like to look at it for that's like i feel the introduction to ulantan and Ulan Tan's thesis. yeah,
1: yeah that's so true
3: when you bring that into it it makes it where everyone always inherently thinks, like, we're brought up, you're a guardian of the light, you're here to defend the city and the last of humanity against the forces of evil, be it the darkness, the fallen, the hive, down the line. When you look at Ulaan Tan being raised as a guardian and then having this other hypothesis where it's the balance that brings it in, Mm -hmm. I've always seen that as more of the theory. And if you go into stories from anything, be it the Jedi and the Sith, everything has that you need the balancing act so everyone's like oh no the darkness is coming and maybe that's the case but that might be because of how much the guardians have started expanding now it's that nice weighing
2: when I i was trying to explain the concept to julie earlier tonight and i always try to give like a very not blue level thanks explanation yeah um because she describes blues versions yes blues versions of describing things are like taking a graduate level class (laughs) in lore um me i like the 101 versions so explaining it to julie i went to the idea of yes you have that you have to have balance and for a long time We've always had this idea that Guardians are light, Hive are dark, blah, like very binary ideas. And the with the upcoming release and Beyond Light and Stasis becoming a thing, there's more of a play on the fact that balancing that light versus dark isn't necessarily as clear cut. And I know we've talked about this before. We've talked about the idea that Guardians are taking on kind of a darkness power and I'm curious how they're going to play with that idea and how that will affect us. And if they're going to continue the idea that darkness is just a method rather than a good or evil. Because I know, you, were, Blue, you are planning on talking about that concept, too. And I was trying to explain to Julie, it's like, darkness isn't evil. You assume it is because it's almost always depicted as the bad guy. But uh-huh. it's a Force More so than an actual active motive type thing.
3: It's yeah. the night to the day.
2: Yep. yep, yep, yep. But I don't know how to dive back into your notes that you have here, Blue. Because <laughs> you write notes very differently than I do.
1: Yeah, I mean... Where are we
2: even at?
1: We're expanding on the discussion segment uh, with the comments on Eris. Uh, so, like... I think the easiest way to kind of to dive back into the notes, to be honest, is probably we'll take a little break and then um, jump into my 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 thoughts on the singular exeget, because there is a very, Mm -hmm. very strong connection between this topic and that topic for obvious reasons. Um, So, yeah, if, if you guys don't mind, we'll take a quick little break and then we can dive right into that.
2: Yeah, let's do it.
0: The hosts at Robots Radio get a lot of questions from people who are interested in starting their own podcasts about how they can start, how they can grow their audiences, how they can create good content, even what microphone to use and what software to use, things like that. Well, we're changing things up at Robots Roundtable to talk and share about the things that we've learned, the things that work and the things that don't. We're sharing with you our actual real-world experience. How can you launch a show like the Fallout Lorecast and get as many listeners as we did early on and rock it to the top of the charts on Apple Podcasts? How do you create a show in such a crowded marketplace as it is today, as opposed to 10 years ago? We're getting together every week to share our answers with you. Just look up The Podcast Professor. A Robots Roundtable with the hosts from Robots Radio.
1: Okay, so comments from Eris within the singular exegete uh, that are really, to me, are very, very prominent when I talk about, you know, darkness, um, is that she, within the contrast entry, she calls out the concept of, or the the idea of those who deny and excuse the existence of evil, um, you know it it basically because everyone here and and chat's kind of talking about it right now um you know just because we don't like it uh you know it it doesn't mean that it's wrong um however the 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 point often is that you know and I know chat chat is literally they're they're scrolling pretty quick on this one um the The presentation of the darkness as evil is something that you have to keep in mind. The context of who is calling what evil, um, the the fact that we are identifying uh, it as evil just means that it is in it is in opposition to what we adhere to as right, and not and and it adheres to what we perceive as wrong. Um, so that actually it actually brings to mind a quote that is uh there's a person whose name is uh, karen marie moaning i love this quote it says most people are good and occasionally do something they know is bad some people are bad and struggle every day to keep it under control others are corrupt to the core and don't give a damn as long as they don't get caught but evil is a completely different creature evil is bad that believes it's good um and that's so that's the end of the quote um, and ultimately, what Eris is talking about within the singular exegete is that those who deny and excuse the existence of evil uh, is basically a concept within reality that is called evil skepticism. Uh, Evil skepticism is a thought process that states that we should abandon the concept of, of, quote, evil. Uh, And those who follow this line of thought believe that we can more accurately uh, understand and describe morally despicable actions, characters, and events using more pedestrian moral concepts such as badness or wrongness. Um, There's usually three different reasons for the, the worldview, the underlying tone within all of moral skeptic or evil skepticism is the, the inherent issue with the attachment of metaphysical or supernatural, um, commitments to the terminology. Um, so the first one that they often refer to is the concept of evil uh, involves unwarranted metaphysical commitments to dark spirits, like the supernatural, the devil. Uh, the logic there is that if we don't believe in the spirits, uh, the forces are supernatural monsters. We should only use the term evil in fictional context if we use it at all. Uh, I have an inherent problem with that. That's my personal opinion. Uh, and so there's there's like, I, I disagree with that there. Um, so usually that's a moot point. It's a sum zero game for me because that's one of those things that you're not going to convince me that my opinion on that is incorrect. And I don't believe that I can convince you likewise. Um, so we're going to go to the second point. The second point here for evil skepticism is that the concept of evil is useless because it lacks explanatory power. A little bit more on that one. The logic here is that the term is unable to explain why certain actions were performed or why those actions were performed by certain agents rather than others. So this kind of goes back into the explanation of the darkness as this like this natural event or you know this 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 natural balancing to the light. Um, the the view here states that the concept is essentially what's referred to as a dismissive classification it's the same as saying something is incomprehensible and so to them we would just we should just not waste our time with it um and this brings us to the third point which is actually directly connected to that because it's incomprehensible the concept of evil can be harmful or dangerous when used in a moral political or legal context so they Mm -hmm. argue that it should not be used in those contexts at all if At all in general. Um, And here is one of the few points that I actually can see a a bit of validity here, because the logic here is that the concept of evil is particularly dangerous and susceptible to abuse. Uh, And such abuse can lead to a view that it is reasonable to assume that evildoers, as as you would call someone who is doing evil, not only deserve the greatest form of moral condemnation, but also the greatest form of corporal punishment. Uh, and this is especially dangerous when combined with the fact that it isn't always clear what people mean when they use the term. One person can say evil and see it as actions stemming from malevolent uh, desires or intentions, while another believes that it's possible for evil doing to result from a multitude of motives, even good ones. So you can actually do an evil action with good intentions, but if you are saying that that action is still evil, it is the connotation that you are evil as well. Um, so those are the three kind of moral ske or the, I keep carrying moral skepticism, evil skepticism debates that are referred to within the contrast entry within singular exeget And the thing is is like when you kind of com- compare that there, that's what Eris is actually arguing against. Uh, she is arguing against that, and she is using it as a way of basically, there's another really often used phrase, and most people will probably recognize this one, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Um, That is basically what Eris's point is in singular exeget within the contrast entry is that, you know, regardless of regardless of if we are strong enough to defeat it once and for all, if we just don't do anything, then it's going to win. And so Eris actually, you know, within singular exeget, Eris actually recognizes that she is she is being corrupted in a way and actually doubles down on that with the with the caveat that she will not tell Zavala that she's being that she knows that she's sprung a trap and that she hopes that her sacrifice is gonna help people or help others specifically the guardian who is helping her um and and that's again you know when we talk about the darkness the darkness kind of stepping that back again it's hard to say that the darkness is evil now given some of the context within singular exeget within unveiling um, the darkness refers to itself as evil. Uh, that is actually a logical problem that I will get into a little bit because that contradicts the explanation of the darkness as a natural evil um, by the mere fact that a natural evil would not be able to self-reference itself. Like it, it it's not. That's not something that um, a natural evil thing is able to do. And I will explain that in the advanced session for sure, because that's a that's a bit of a um, wibbly wobbly uh, pathway uh, that requires a lot more understanding of the definitions used within the debate of evil itself.
2: Okay, so the concept of evil, if we're going to break it down and just do it, you broke it down really nicely from just to the different arguments. Do you think that... The concept of good and evil is even applicable outright in de- the Destiny universe, considering the aspects that we're, we are actually dealing with.
1: Yes. I think, well, personally, I think that the concepts of good and evil are always applicable no matter the context because, as a th- You're
2: applying a morality to it, though.
1: I am, because I am a thinking person. As a moral agent, I have a morality that I will apply to my existence and my experience of that existence that's part of being what's referred to as a moral agent. It's part of understanding what is contextually right and what is contextually wrong. Um, the difference is that you have to be careful to, when it comes to applying morality to things that are, and, and in this case, literally alien to your own context. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that's where, uh, he, uh, where was it? Um, I think it was Dino. So, no trigger trigger said from its understanding of our opinions, the darkness describes itself as evil. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Like I can, I can see that argument. Uh, I think that that's a really poorly structured argument if that's actually what it's doing, because that's like, that's not the way to win from a diplomatic standpoint. Um, hey, we're your enemy because you, you don't agree with well, your opinion. I'm like, you- no,
2: they, I mean, if you think of some of the other entries from singular exigent in general, there's entries that talk about how they know that they're presenting themselves in a very specific way because it is a way that we expect them to present themselves, which I mm-hmm. find s- fairly fascinating. Oh, yeah, I do. And so for us to dive into the idea of the darkness explaining itself or the pyramid, and it, you have to also remember this is in uh, logography, logography, yeah,
1: logographic. all
2: these mm-hmm. It's a logographic mef- message, so it's meant. It's being translated by Eris herself, correct? Which, if yeah. she is the quote unquote quote prophet of the pyramids, if you <laughs> want to take the the literal translation right, of the singular yeah. accident. Translation. She would be the quote unquote prophet. If you put her in that position, you're also using her base language and her morality to help explain these aspects to us. So there is a there's still going to be a disconnect, I feel, in how the actual interpretation is based off of Eris's interpretation versus the reality of what is.
1: Right. And now in my. Oh, yeah. Go for it, Dwyer if i may
3: so we can agree that eris spends a good majority of her time just completely fixated on the darkness right yes. now when we go through this book does her fixation on fried rice make it inherently evil or good to contrast the point of darkness being evil
2: it's not the fried rice that she's obsessed about though Dwyer. it's the pineapple
0: this is but true. she needs the fried rice
2: but she needs the pineapple to make the fried rice
0: this is also true
2: which who puts pineapple in fried rice? Have you ever had I've pineapple in fried rice? That's delicious. In one place that does, it's amazing. It's. I'm not saying it's not delicious. Oh, it's, I'm just saying it's very, very. It depends on how they unique. cook it. Unique. Yeah, it depends on how they cook it. Yeah, There's, like you don't see it very often. Oh well, we, we have
1: we, we have a number of Thai food places that do it with yes, their pineapple. Like they gotcha. have like pineapple fried rice, and it's mm-hmm. freaking delicious. Do They do Coconut the fried rice egg on with top.
2: Pineapple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> it's so good with the fried egg on top. Oh my god! Yeah it's uh the con- the contrast is actually what makes it delicious uh, anyways um speaking about contrast uh green actually i agree with everything yes. you just said but mm-hmm. that's why i have a problem with the darkness coming back and being like we're a natural evil no you're not because you just structured an argument on a moral grounds where you recognize what you're doing as right and wrong The fact that you are able to recognize that there is a right and wrong puts you into the category of a moral agent. And as a moral agent, you are incapable of committing natural evil acts. That is, by definition, not possible.
2: But, okay, so it's the perception of the evil acts, right? Like, that's what we're kind of getting down to is the fact that it's trying to describe itself as evil while also saying that it's natural evil, which naturally that would invalidate. the order of nature, yeah, it would you can't, right? Like,
1: um, god, this is this is touching I'm, on my problem it's with the, the P53, P- yeah, it's P53, P- all the great P53 metaphor is a, I mean, it just no, it, I mean, but it's just ah, uh, it's a logical fallacy you can't you cannot both be conscious of yourself aware and then say i have no control no you have control you're just being lazy and not exerting control that does not mean that you get a free pass for it what it means no it's
2: but the thing is is that it comes down to choice p53 does does. not have a exactly which is
1: why p53 is a metaphor Like, I'm sorry, but it is a terrible (laughs) metaphor because if you have something that has no choice, what you're saying is, is it's the same thing as a computer program, right? A computer program is it will do what it is programmed to do. Now, you can argue Mm -hmm. that uh, in the case of, you know, mutually assured destruction, right? Okay, let's go full, full apocalypse. In a case of mutually assured destruction, the computer program would recognize a threat and eliminate the threat because that's what it's programmed to do. So the computer program itself is not evil. It is it, Well, it is evil, but it is a natural evil because there is no choice within it. There is no recognition that, oh, hey, that might be a bad thing to do. It says it has data input and it puts out data. Now, the person who programmed that is a moral agent and they are culpable for the decisions that are done as a result of their creation of that program. The action itself is evil. Now, the person who is causing that action generally will always come back to a moral agent, and if that is the definition of moral evil. If there is no inherent cause from a moral agent piece, then you... Get to a piece where there is a event that is considered evil that has no instigation from a moral agent. That is a natural evil. So like a tornado, a hurricane, um, you know, to bring it kind of home right now, wildfires for a large purge. Now, if someone sets a Mm -hmm. wildfire, that is a moral evil because that has transcended into someone intentionally causing damage. But if it's a natural choice, that's just following the laws of thermodynamics. Like, that that's just a natural thing. And that that touches on the fact that the world exists as a real thing outside of our our existence. Um, Now, with the concept of, yes, this idea of, like, the darkness doesn't have a choice. Sorry, but the fact is that it does because it recognizes that it has a choice. The fact that you recognize that you are doing something and that you can have an alternative is, by definition, your recognition of a choice you are choosing to be lazy and not make the choice that is a choice like you can't you can't say at the same time that oh well i was caused to do this because by recognizing what you are doing you are therefore presented with the option to deviate from the path now you can say oh well i was caused to do it and i mean a lot of people probably would give you a pass for it but that is not to say that you mm-hmm. don't have a choice you have a choice the instant that you recognize the options before you and if you don't have if if you don't have a choice, you won't ever recognize the options. like there there is no option like there's no precognizant thought process within choices that that exist in. Like you can't be like, "Oh, well, we could go right or left, but I'm programmed to go right. No, you're just gonna go right. Like you don't exist the the temporal existence re, uh, requirement to be able to say, "Oh, well, there is X." negates the ability then to be like well i have to go right no, no you you chose to go right because you recognized the fact that there were two paths if you didn't recognize the fact that there's two paths then you are not a moral agent
2: right uh dino posted a quote from the wager in unveiling about uh where is it where is yeah, it, where neither, is it? Neither, neither the gardener, the gardener yeah, nor yeah. i know for certain that we're eternally universally right but we can be nothing except for what we are you have a choice i mean that kind of lends yourself okay so here's here's where i have the cognitive dissonance you've got your own reasons for it but i have the cognitive dissonance with between the converse we're actually having an actual conversation with something in by having a conversation with them, they have the ability to choose their words, Correct. which means they do have the option of choice. Yep. The problem with just the whole thing in general is that if Bungie is truly going down this this line of the gardener and the winnower have no choice, it is just pure natural, they would never be able to tell us. They would never be able to have us have a conversation with it. Either with the traveler or with the darkness or with whatever the light is of the traveler. So there's a narrative difficulty in trying oh, to yeah. express it. And hundred, I, I, mean, I don't know there's if it's not there... just
1: a narrative difficulty. This is an existential difficulty. Like this is a right. debate of evil. Like I, I'm going to be clear. I have my opinions. I have very strong opinions about it. I will be 100% transparent, but they are opinions. And I mean, I, I also recognize that. Those are opinions. These are my thoughts from my existence and my exposure to different things. Mm -hmm. There is that's that's both the fascinating and the frustrating thing about this particular debate. There is no answer at the end of the road because we're still on the road. We're still going down the path trying to figure out what is going on. And as long as there is people or as long as there are people who have the ability to do what we do and to cognitively cognizantly analyze the situation and make choices as they do there will always be a path in front of us on this particular debate because this debate is not just about a game this debate is about you know ultimately culpability of actions you know what is what does make you independently capable of being recognized as a moral agent what is morality i mean that that's a huge debate in and of itself that we have not even really touched on uh morality Mm -hmm. is um you know huge huge very very debate very big debate about the relativity of morality like is there is there a universal morality is there not a universal reality what would that mean if there isn't a universe i mean like the questions are just like splintering here so that's why i I can literally sit here and talk forever but i know i'm gonna get told to shut up
2: (laughs) and it's actually happening right now so it's time to start wrapping up the introduction episode Uh, Join us on the advanced episode if you'd like to continue this slight madness that we're going into. I don't know if this is morally evil or morally um, good to say that the next episode should be interesting or just having a conversation. Is that anyway? We're going to get into that. (laughs) Final thoughts.
1: I, I really, you know, for my final thoughts, I really, appre- I really really like this type of conversation. Like, I love these debates. This is why I get into game lore, because games offer a way of safely, safely exploring things that we normally don't. That's why I love role-playing games, right, is because you can safely kind of put yourself in situations that are... Um, psychologically dangerous for you like i'm not comfortable with x you know scenario but i'm gonna go play on a tabletop game and you know pretend like i'm doing it and it's it's a way Mm -hmm. of broaching subjects that are um in reality sometimes experiments what's that
2: it's like thought experiments. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It yeah, allows you to traverse yeah. that line without actually c- without crossing putting it,
1: putting yourself in in the the harm's way. Basically, it's like things that are not necessarily mm-hmm. comfortable. You can do that within video games, within tabletop RPGs, within you know just the con- like creative writing outlets. You know that that type of stuff. This is this type of stuff. This type of conversation is why I absolutely adore reading into lore and and and, you know analyzing the text and stuff like that because this is the stuff that goes on in my head all the freaking time so
2: Dwyer, do you have any final thoughts on this before we scramble the brains a bit more later Uh,
3: um you know i think i will have more input for later i'm still um working through some of this myself it's a very it's a deeper concept than It looks like on the surface when it comes down to it, because like on the Mm -hmm. surface, you can look at it from the perspective of video game, good, evil, that's it. Nice and easy. But then like you read and you read and because Destiny does such a great job with the lore, it makes it that much more all the time. So it becomes into where you need that nice deep debate.
2: It does. It does. And that's the nice thing about having stories in general, right? Like if the idea of a story is to be able to help push your brain and push your understanding outside of what your normal experiences are. And Destiny does that. There's a lot of lore that does that. Heck, I've been watching Critical Role nonstop for the last week and a half, and they do that in their own very weird traveler con inspired way, which not PG, by the way. But anyway, we're going to get back into – we're not going to get back into it yet. We're going to wrap up this episode. Blue, do you want to take us out?
1: Yep. I just want to, again, really from the bottom of my heart, thank you for your time. And until next time, remember, with wisdom we conquer, stand strong, stand tall, and keep exploring. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any comments and or questions for the team concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback and a rating over on iTunes as well. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.
0: You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.